Hey guys, welcome back to the Industrial Cybersecurity Pulse podcast. Guys, being used broadly here, not specifying a sex or a gender, just saying mm. guys to encompass everybody, welcoming everybody into the podcast. I am uh, already stumbling at the one minute mark here. Your host, Gary Cohen, your other host, Tyler Wall. Got another good one for you here today, guys. Today, um, I will preface this by saying, Tyler, I don't want to speak for you, but you and I, we're always a little out of our depth in these interviews. I mean, you know, we're talking to cybersecurity experts. We study the field. We talk about the field. But as we always say, we're a few credit short of our cybersecurity degree. Mm. Uh, we are. So uh, trust me, this will all come back around. Earlier this week, it was discovered the 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 deepest swimming fish ever discovered on camera was found. I don't know if you saw this. It's like 27,000 feet underwater. It was uh, wow. like a snailfish or something like that. That is how far out of our depth we're going to be today mm. because we are talking to uh, Clint Bundy, who is a managing director with the Bundy Group, a boutique investment bank. They specialize basically in mergers and acquisitions. We're going to be talking about mergers and acquisitions in the cybersecurity industry today. Uh, unless you have been doing some reading on the side, Tyler, we are not so schooled in the banking side of cybersecurity. No, we are not. We got that mile wide inch deep for a lot of the cybersecurity industry, but uh, we have not dipped our toes into the mergers and acquisitions part of it until now. I like to think I'm like a, an inch and a quarter deep at this mm. point, like a little yeah. bit more than an inch, but not. Yeah, a lot. I'm probably about a half inch. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we balance to an inch. Yes, there that's we go. how bad my math is. <laughs> um, so, but uh, Clint has a lot of great things to say about about the cybersecurity market, um, which, full disclosure, we I think we both learned a lot from talking to him about this. I mean, there's some stuff in there in this interview that's not surprising. The cybersecurity market he is uh, is bullish on right now. It's a good market. Uh, there are a lot of mergers and acquisitions going on, actually more in 2021, he says, than there were in 2022, but it's still a relatively hot market out there. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk to Clint Bundy a little bit later, some good mergers and acquisitions information in the cybersecurity space. Yes, that it is a very good conversation we have with him. Uh, but of course, as always, the speed question, speed dating question of the day, that's what these kind of feel like. Um, what you notice I put a pause in there because I knew you were going to throw a question at me. So it's I like, know. I'll just stop talking and let Tyler ask his question. Because <laughs> you're prepared now. I've conditioned you. Exactly. Um, what was your first job? Uh, my first like real paying mm. job or my first yes. I worked because I did things like, you know, a yard service with some friends in high school. We mowed oh, lawns, sure. and stuff like that. <clears throat> Your first you know, I had a paper thing. route when I was a, I had a paper route when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So those were sort of okay. jobs. I got paid yeah. for those. Oh, uh, worked in my dad, the warehouse at my dad's company for a summer. Mm -hmm. um, but I think my first like real, I went and got it on my own job was, uh, this is when I was in high school. I worked in a movie theater and Ooh. it was maybe possibly still the best job I've ever had. <laughs> because it was uh so a movie theater i don't know if they're still like this but at the time there's a rush because all the movies essentially start at the same time and then they run for about two hours so you have like a half hour rush where everybody comes in and buys their tickets and wants their popcorn and needs to be told what theater things are in and then you've got like an hour and a half of nothing 
And I basically worked with all of my friends from high school. We all got a job in the same place. Mm -hmm. So we would work for a half hour and then we'd mess around for an hour and a half while we were waiting for the next rush to come in. And then, you know, as a high school student, you get all the movie posters you want. You get to see all the free movies you want. Mm -hmm. It wasn't bad. Wow. That's a... Yeah, I've always wanted to work at a movie theater. You know, I've applied to several of them, but they just didn't want me. So <laughs> what was your first? first my job? first job was, yeah, right. My first job was uh, I worked at a local pizza restaurant when I was, I believe I started when I was 15. And then um, it was for a large Italian man. And uh, he liked to yell a lot. Um, and I like to think that formed who I am a little bit as a person today, just because that man was aggressive. He was a, a very aggressive man. Um, yeah, I remember one one memory that really sticks with me is he had me repaint the bathroom, and um, and he pulled out this old paint. Like this whole this whole uh, pizza place was heritage, so like, he's just inherited it. His family's gone on, uh, been raised in the family business, and um, it was just some old paint, and it was leaded paint. And I was like, oh, nice. Okay. So I take this leaded paint into the back room and the door just swings closed. And I didn't think to prop it open. So it's just me sitting in a room painting these walls with leaded paint with the door closed, fumes everywhere, me just breathing it all in. So I probably took a couple of years off of my life um, in that moment. But uh, it would the joke with that was though, this is like a lot of water damage. Um, so the paint that I put down eventually didn't mean anything anymore so i don't know you're not making me want to eat at this pizza place just for the <laughs> record between the water damage and the lead hey, paint and the yelling some, large italian man it's a delicious <laughs> pizza place okay look <laughs> i the food is delicious uh, mushrooms are questionable but everything else about it was pretty good so as in you don't like mushrooms or the mushrooms at this place were questionable I don't, I didn't like the mushrooms there. I, I don't mind mushrooms in general, but the mushrooms there like canned, which is fine, but I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I did a lot of dishes too, but. I think we've learned, even though you're, you're much younger than I am, that our life expectancy is probably about the same at this point. It, yeah, <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> given, given how much lead paint you breathed in when you mm. were 17 or however old you were at that point. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so one of the things I want to talk about today as we transition into cybersecurity, um, Sophos, which they do this every year, uh, put out their state of cybersecurity 2023. Again, 2023. They do it every year. A lot of interesting things in here, as there always are. Uh, a couple key findings that came out of this report, one of which I can't say it was surprising to me, but it was surprising to me which is 94% of organizations experienced a cyber attack of some form in the last year. Obviously, these are the organizations that they surveyed. Uh, it's, it's a pretty, there were 3,000 respondents, so a, a sizable survey. But we talk about all the time, you know that everybody is getting hit with cyber attacks in some form or another. But 94%, that's a, that's a pretty high percentage. Yeah, 94% is a very large percentage. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was surprised that it was as high as it was. But there's also some other things in here. Data exfiltration is the number one security concern for 2023 of those uh, surveyed. Um, only 48% of security alerts are investigated. 
15 hours is the median median time to detect, investigate, and respond to an alert. Mm. Uh, and then there's uh, some things that are, again, not surprising, but a little bit scary. 52% of respondents said that cyber threats are now too advanced for their organization to deal with on their own. It's something we talk about all the time and the people that we interview talk about all the time, which is whether you're trying to sell a service or not, get help out there. There are people who do this for a living, who know more than you know, even if you're a cybersecurity company or, or you are a, a incredibly adept at cybersecurity, it's not a bad idea to have a third party come in and audit your systems and take a look at what you're doing because you might be missing something. But 52% said that, that the threat is now too advanced for them to handle on their own. Um 55% said that dealing with cyber threats has negatively impacted the IT team's work on other projects. So pretty wide ranging study. If you haven't checked it out, it's on uh, Sophos' site, their year in cybersecurity, but a lot of interesting stuff in there. Yeah. You know, kind of going back to that, the second eyes are always great. Like, especially if you are a cybersecurity company and you're right, you should be having someone check your work as well. It's like if Gary and I were writers and I don't, I don't, put myself on a pedestal and say, I'm like, I'm this fantastic writer, but it's like, if the greatest writer in the world, right. Never got their work edited. I feel like that would be um, ignorant and you not ignorance, a little aggressive, but uh, it's just, it's important to stay humble out there and like uh, just make sure you're having someone go through your work, check your, um, it sounds like I'm talking about writing, but I'm talking about cybersecurity. Uh, check your, check how you're, um, your methods of and cybersecurity practices are holding up and just to make sure you're 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 doing the best you can do yeah it's absolutely true and i mean i think that's a good analogy is i mean that's we are in content creation i have a, a degree in journalism uh one of those happy people has a degree in journalism um and it's one of those rules of thumb is nothing should ever go out with one set of eyeballs on it if it's going to go live whether that's in print whether that's uh in a book whether that's online you always need to have a second set of eyes you can have the most brilliant writer or the most brilliant editor in the world but you go blind to your own work after a while you get used to your own processes and you miss things and i think that same thing uh holds true for cybersecurity. You you have your processes in place. You may trust your processes. They may have worked heretofore, uh, but it's still good to get somebody to come in there and take a look at them. I will also say it's a little bit of a depressing development in the journalism world that most things don't get two eyes these days. Uh, there just aren't enough people working in the industry and aren't enough jobs out there. So uh, these things like fact checkers and proofreaders that everybody used to employ, not so much anymore. No, it is kind of unfortunate. And I guess we'll see how that kind of develops with as AI technology continues to progress forward. Um, because, I mean, eventually, I don't know, that could be the fact checker, which is dangerous, by the way. You have an artificial intelligence fact checking your information. That is a little, a little spooky. Um, but I could see that being the kind of shift moving forward both in writing and journalism, but also really in anything else too. Yeah. And I, I will say, I have mentioned this before, but I worked uh, in, in major league baseball for a little while and on the content side um, and edited some writers who have names who are well-known and, you know, to see their first drafts, you would go like, this is how you 
this is how you, this is your first draft. This is how you write. Like, it's not that it was bad stuff. It's just everybody needs an editor, whether that is a writer or a cybersecurity professional, somebody to look over your shoulder, make sure you're doing what you're doing. Or make sure you're doing what you're doing well is the word I left off there. Um, <laughs> one other little stat from this report, just an apology to all the IT professionals out there, just to say, we feel your pain and we're sorry. 57% of IT professionals lose sleep worrying about the organization being hit by a cyber attack. So uh, it's an industry that is not for the faint of heart. Uh, it's also good to know that a lot of the people who are tasked with guarding these major systems are on very little sleep. Yeah, um, <laughs> that is an unfortunate stat, but at least, I, yeah, no, that's, a, that's an interesting one. So let's talk a little bit about uh, about banking and mergers and acquisitions in the cybersecurity mm. realm. And we, I will just say, I'm going to throw it out there. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this because we were we're going to look foolish fast if we. Do I, I yes, we are. Um, and but it was very interesting to listen to though because this is a a side of the industry like Gary said earlier that we haven't really been on before, and so it's interesting to hear something other than "Hey, we're all going to die." And these cyber attacks are going to cause physical damage everywhere. Rather, it's, hey, look at the good things that are happening. Look at all these different uh, cybersecurity companies that are being acquired in these mergers that are happening. And like, it's great for, for the business and all of that. So it's, it's a very different light than what I'm used to reading about within cybersecurity. Which is not to say if you if you think everybody's going to get hacked and we're all going to die, come on the podcast. We still want to talk to you. Yes, we, we enjoy do. those conversations. But oh, yeah. This is, uh, and again, it is the business side of cybersecurity. So the fact that, and we joke about this during the interview with Clint Bundy, uh, that the world is a mess right now and that 94% of organizations experienced a cyber attack, uh, bad for the world, good for the business of cybersecurity. I mean, it, it keeps Tyler and I employed and a lot of other people probably who are listening to this podcast employed. <laughs> but that also means that there are a lot of buyers out there. I mean, you, I'm sure the people who are listening to this podcast have seen it. There are a ton of new cybersecurity companies out there every year with new products, new services, uh, new managed service providers who are out there because there is a need for it. People see the need and there are people who want to purchase people and companies and, and uh, investment bankers Um who want to investment groups who want to buy these companies because they do see it as profitable. Uh, you know, there are some market factors out there. Like everybody knows that there is a, a cyber skills gap right now in the industry. There aren't enough warm bodies to fill the jobs that are out there. One of the things Clint said during this interview, which I thought was interesting is the same thing is happening in the mergers and acquisition space. There's a supply and demand imbalance. There's more demand for companies to buy than there are companies to buy because mm. everybody knows that this is an industry that is, uh, and it's, I was going to say it's hot right now, but I think you can drop the right now. It, I don't think cyber threat is going anywhere anytime soon. No, it's a, cyber threat's not going anywhere. It's only going to, I mean, it'll change, but it's just going to evolve to, Fight what we what we I say we like we're the cybersecurity professionals. What uh, <laughs> OT security, IT security professionals come up with next to defend, but none, nonetheless, uh, business is booming, as they say. 
But damn it, when these threats happen and these attacks happen, we'll talk about it. That's our job. Absolutely, we will. We'll say some words about it. Some of them intelligent, some of them not. But we'll be here doing our little part. EGAD. Yes. <laughs> uh, with that, let's go ahead and bring in Clint. Again, a very good interview with Clint Bundy. He's a managing director with Bundy Group. It's a boutique. I can say that word, boutique, investment bank that specializes in representing cybersecurity, controls and automation, and technology companies in business sales, capital raises, and acquisitions. Uh, again, this is something that we didn't know much about, so a very interesting interview for us. Let's go ahead and bring in Clint. Clint, thank you so much for agreeing to be with us today. Uh, Gary, Tyler, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. I'm excited to talk about cybersecurity mergers and acquisitions. This is not something that uh, we've talked about on the podcast before. So curious to get your insight. Also, uh, should be noted, Tyler and I, not experts in this topic. So you're going you're gonna to teach us a lot today, which I appreciate. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully, uh, hopefully I can steer you in the right direction on some of your questions. Uh, let, let's start. I mean, I will start with an overview. Let's start at the top. So which type of groups right now are buying or investing in the cybersecurity space? Yeah, great question. Um, and uh, in concept, there are a lot of different types of, of buyers and investors, but I'm going to start at kind of 100,000 feet and then we can work down from there. I'm going to break the break it out into two types of buyers for your listeners. One is what we call strategic buyers. Uh, and those uh, can be companies, whether they be publicly traded, whether they be owned by what we call private equity groups or financial sponsors. They could be uh, owned by management teams that are already in the cybersecurity space in terms of offering solutions or services, uh, or they could be firms that are maybe in an adjacent space to cybersecurity, like a managed IT services firm or what have you that wants to pick up cybersecurity solutions. So I would call put that under the high-level strategic bucket, strategic buyer bucket. Uh, there are also sometimes called industry buyers. Um, and then the second bucket is what we would call financial sponsors, which this has a lot of other terms, private equity, family offices, but what these are are effectively investment groups who are looking for investments, what we call platform investments into the uh, cybersecurity space. And then they can do a bunch of what we call add-on acquisitions to that. So I, again, starting at a very high level, those are the two main buckets to, to describe who are active in the cybersecurity realm. Got it. I got to tell you, every time people use the word strategic, I hear Will Ferrell saying strate strategery, which apparently I can't <laughs> pronounce. Um, so we see in cybersecurity, there are companies coming online constantly, people wanting to get into the space, wanting to find solutions on the cybersecurity side of it. Why are groups in interested in investing in this cybersecurity space? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, whether you're talking about a strategic buyer or you're talking about a financial sponsor, the fundamentals that those groups are looking for are really in essence, the same. And, and I use what I would call kind of four legs of a stool, stability, profitability, growth, and, and usually I'll throw in scale as a fourth one, scale meaning size of a firm. So let me walk through each of those. Uh, stability, i.e., is a company or an industry, is it 
doing an up and down roller coaster year on year performance, or is it very rock solid, stable? You know, it's going to achieve at least a certain minimum or, or milestone every year. And, and part of the reason the cybersecurity sector is uh, is such a stable industry is because you've got so many of these firms who've got recurring revenue-driven models, whether it be subscription revenue or you know clients who bring them on to do services projects and they just never roll off. They're always there doing work for the client. So that's the stability. Profitability, now I'm not going to say that all cybersecurity firms are running at a profitable level. You've got many who are are growth oriented and, and so growth oriented, they're investing back in the company and therefore they're not yet to what we call break even level. Um, and then you've got, like any industry, you've got some companies that just don't run very profitable businesses. But on the whole, we see a lot of very profitable uh, cybersecurity organizations. And I think that's a reflection of the fact that it's a highly uh, coveted solution in the market. Uh, you, the growth, that's a big one for uh, just about any investor or buyer out there uh, because nobody wants to buy a company at you know five million in revenue or 20 million in revenue and it still be that same amount five years from now. They want to buy a 20 million revenue company and for it to be a hundred million or 200 million in five years, because that's ultimately how they really generate returns on their investment as a buyer. And the, you know, the, the, the cybersecurity market, I mean, just look at it as a market as a whole. I mean, it's a, this year alone will be about $174 billion market globally. And it's projected to go to somewhere in the, let's call it the 260s by 2027. Now that's, that's a, about, a, I've got that at about 11% compounded annual growth rate between 2023 and 2027. That is a great underlying fundamental uh, or wave to ride it for lack of a better term, if you're a company in the space. And then finally, the scale piece. And 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 scale really means, you know, if, you, if a company has real infrastructure, a real team, if it's generating a significant amount of revenue, and that's, by the way, guys, as significant as a relative term. So, that could, in some cases, be 10 or 15 million in revenue. In other cases, it could be 100 or 200 million in revenue. But scale means you have a real presence uh, in the market and probably even some kind of maybe leadership position, even within a niche of the cyber market. So those four underlying fundamentals are key to understand about why strategics and financial sponsors are active in the space. Oh, wow. So you're telling me cybersecurity is here to stay. Cybersecurity is <laughs> definitely here to stay. I, I feel as good about cybersecurity from a market as I do of any industry that we work in. <laughs> yeah. So that means Gary and I can keep our jobs for a little bit longer. That's great. Yeah, lucky for all of us. It's bad for the world, but lucky for all of us, these sorts of attacks and breaches and vulnerabilities keep happening, which keeps us all uh, interested and employed. Yeah, definitely. And so if you're looking back on the past few years, um, what have in the past few years looked like in terms of mergers and acquisitions and com uh, capital placement activity in the cybersecurity space? Yeah, it's been an incredibly active market. I mean, kind of going back into even 2017 and 18, you really started to see, I mean, really, it's been an active market for the past 10 to 15 years. But I would say in 2017 or 18, you started to see a real pickup, both in number of deals and then what I would also say is the total transaction value 
or market value of those deals. So uh, when you talk about a transaction value, it's what effectively did a company sell for the value of the transaction. And so, um, you know, just to give you some some data points, I mean, in 2020, which we were, you know, right in the midst of COVID then, I mean, that, there were about 470 cybersecurity deals that occurred uh, at about $38 billion in total transaction value. 2021, it jumped up to 480 deals that were worth about a total of about $112 billion. And then in 2022, it was, uh, it was interesting. The number of deals effectively stayed almost the same as 2021. It had a little bit of decline, but not much. It was about 410 deals that year. But the the total value of deals dropped to 48 billion from 112 billion in 2021. So, you know, I'll give you the the why behind that, and what the why behind that, and, and it's a, I'll leave it up to. The, the listeners to determine is, is it a glass half full or glass half empty. But you know, you you still had a lot of transaction activity going on because you didn't really have much of a drop off in number of deals. But what you did have a drop off in was the larger deals that occurred in the sector. So you didn't have as many what we would call middle market or corporate size deals occur in 2022 that you had in say 2021. So uh, hopefully that makes sense there. <laughs> yeah, no, that does make sense. Um, and so are there any, if you know, I mean, if you have any off the top of your head, are there any recent cybersecurity mergers or acquisitions in the industry that have kind of caught your attention over the past recent couple of years or so? No, look, they're always, uh, you know, we can always do the laundry list of deals and transactions. I mean, buyers just a point, I like to start with, some buyers in different kind of realms to point to cyber services. You see a lot of the uh, global consulting firms be incredibly active, like Deloitte, Ernst & Young, PwC. Uh, you've seen Rackspace uh, be an active acquirer in the cybersecurity realm. Converge Technology has been another one. Uh, on the pr- financial sponsor side, Vista Equity, uh, acquired no before you've got Investcore was a, it's an international private equity firm acquired HWG uh, Tama Bravo acquired Magnet Forensics which is about a one that was about a 1.4 billion dollar deal so certainly uh, lots of great activity and, and to put the plug in you guys the listeners could check out uh, our publication piece on industrial cybersecurity pulses website that we do for periodic transactions. And um, there's always a good laundry list there for the viewer to see. We love it when we don't have to actually be the ones plugging the site. So thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, a lot of these companies it's that are bought, that are investing in buying into cybersecurity. I mean, these are kind of add-on acquisitions. I mean, they're, they're growing their own company by acquiring these, these smaller companies, right? They're not necessarily cybersecurity companies to begin with, but their portfolio is now getting larger. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you've got, um, again, I'll always like to start 100,000 feet. You've got some of these buyers are already in the cyber solution space and they're more or less doubling down more into the sector by picking up new, could be new software capabilities. It could be new services capabilities, new clients, or it could be companies like a managed IT services firm that doesn't have a cyber offering uh, that would want to come in and say, you know what, we need to pick up that capability. And so instead of us trying to grow this from scratch, 
let's just go acquire the capability and the team that goes with it. So we're going to ask you to put your, uh, your uh, prediction hat on here. What, what's 23, 2023 looking like so far for the M&A and capital placement markets for cybersecurity? And then are there challenges that, the, that we're facing? Yeah, good question. I get this question a lot these days from a lot of owners and uh, executives. And you know, the benefit of being in my industry is I've always got a lot of real-time conversations going with buyers and and financing groups who are financing these transactions. And uh, you know, admittedly, my crystal ball at the end of the day is no better than anybody else's. But where we sit today, here we are in February of 2023. It, there are some what I would call headwinds out there on a macroeconomic scale in terms of, uh, of course, inflation, the war for talent. It's tough to find people right now. Uh, you know, are we going to go into a recession this year or not? We're not sure. So, you know, certainly when you've got more macroeconomic trends that can influence the cybersecurity market, can influence valuations even a little bit. Um but as a counterbalance to that, and more on the tailwind side, you've just got this amazing growth going on with the cybersecurity market. You have uh, a lot of buyer interest and demand. Uh, frankly, there's more buyer interest, whether it be strategics or financial sponsors in this sector, than you actually have companies available to be acquired. So you've got a supply and demand imbalance. And that's good if you're an owner of a cybersecurity company. That means you're, you're holding a coveted asset and therefore your value should be higher. So that serves as a counterbalance to these macroeconomic headwinds. So now I'll answer your question <laughs> with all those kind of underlying fundamentals. We're bullish on the cybersecurity market for 2023. Do I know, do I think we'll, we'll do the same number of deals that were done in 2021? I think it's possible. Will the total deal value be at the same level as 2021, which I was again about 112 billion. I don't know if it'll be quite that high because I still think some of these larger kind of middle market and corporate size deals are, are gonna be on the sidelines this year. And what you're gonna see is a lot more, what I would call small, and small is a relative term, by the way, of, you know, let's call it deals in the 10 million to kind of $150 million range of value versus say the 500 to $2 billion deals. Probably asking your opinion here, but in those 2021 deals, so obviously there were a lot in 2021, still a lot in 2022, but the big ones haven't been there. Was that, were those sort of reactionary deals to, to what was going on in society at the time? There were huge breaches that made headlines, solar winds, colonial pipeline, or was it just the natural process of, of this market growing at the time? That was certainly what you mentioned is certainly a big driver of it. Uh, I mean, we had, a lot, of course, you know, the trend of remote working that was, uh, you had the, the, the branded re uh, breaches that you just mentioned. Um, you, you know, we're certainly, and we do a lot in the automation space as well. So you're continuing to see this industry 4.0 acceleration, which means you've got IoT devices on every piece of equipment now, if, I feel like. And so therefore you're, vulnerabilities go up exponentially if you're a company and companies are recognizing that and are demanding and paying more for cyber solutions. And therefore, the buyers are recognizing that. It's all a trickle-down effect. So yeah, it was kind of a convergence of a number of different events. Plus, frankly, it was just a really frothy market in 2021. You had cheap capital and you had a lot of uh, cheap financing capital, which means you've got a, a lot of debt financing capital and 
that's easy to get and easy to get a lot of at low interest rates. And uh, you've got a lot of buyer interest and you've got a lot of money in the market that what we would call private equity money over a trillion dollars worth that needs to be invested somewhere. And so you have this convergence that ended up driving this kind of outstanding result for the market in 2021. And again, I'll point out 2022 was not a bad year either at, for cybersecurity. It was just, you just didn't see as many of these larger deals completed. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so what due diligence process should a company undertake before pursuing a cybersecurity merger or acquisition? Yeah, let me start. We usually are more times not representing a seller in a transaction. So yeah, let sure. me start there. Uh, if you're a, a management team or an ownership group and you're contemplating selling your, your cybersecurity firm, first, get smart as early as possible on uh, things to prepare the company for in terms of financial controls, um, making sure that uh, that you're able to go back to the stability, profitability, growth. Uh, fundamentals that I talked about earlier and make sure you feel like, hey, if we can demonstrate these, well, it's time for us to go talk to potential buyers. Um, certainly, I'm, I'm an investment banker, so I feel like there's a real role for uh, a cybersecurity firm to have someone like me involved who can help uh, drive a sale process and, and deliver a, a, an outstanding outcome. But also, you need to have advisors like it could be a, a CFO on your staff or a CFO level advisor, it could be a good uh, M&A law, law firm to work with during the course of a deal. So there's kind of a whole team ecosystem you need to have in preparation for a sale process. And, uh, you know, and then certainly we're, we're fans of uh, preparation right before going to market, including what we often recommend is sell side quality of earnings reports on a lot of our clients who are selling, which think of that as like a financial audit by an outside accounting firm to help demonstrate, hey, this company really does have really stable, profitable metrics that we can demonstrate to buyers. Because at the end of the day, buyers end up all heavily predicating their offers off the financials that a company is generating, um, historical as well as projected. So I know a lot of this is coming off of, like you just mentioned, the, the financial aspect of the company. Are there certain, when you look at it and sort of dive into some of the mergers and acquisitions that have happened in this space, are there certain kind of companies that are doing better than others? Are there certain trends and buzzwords that people want? We're a zero trust company. We're a, is there something that people are looking for or is it are they just looking to acquire cybersecurity in general at this point? You know, I, I mean, the, the interest is really goes across the board and you can break it out. Again, I started 100,000 feet kind of cybersecurity services, maybe more on the consultative professional services side and then more cybersecurity solutions. And a lot of times solutions could be you're going to see a lot of softwares or services um, or technology platform solutions under that second bucket. And look, we see the interest from buyers across the whole realm, that's consulting, software as a services, cyber intelligence, automation, cyber automation platforms, email cloud security, data backup and recovery, uh, you know, automated uh, software security. Really, you name the service or the solution and you're going to see some good evidence of M&A track record within each of those. So there's not really a uh, one over the other mentality in the market today. 
And have you seen, I don't know if this is something that you track, obviously we're industrial cybersecurity. So there's, you know, IT side cybersecurity, protecting data. And then there's OT cybersecurity. I was just at a conference that was that was about ICS and OT cybersecurity, protecting critical infrastructure, manufacturing. Have you seen a difference between those? Or are they are they both just as popular in the MA market? Uh, just as popular. And um, you know, what what we see, I mean, we work on both the IT and the OT side as well. And it's interesting, a lot of you're seeing a lot of companies who do um uh, uh, for instance, system integration work uh, that are uh, operating on both sides of that fence, but maybe weighing a little more even on the OT side, starting to say, well, you know, we're a services firm and there's a lot of growth opportunity in the uh, cyber uh, realm on the OT side. So let's go acquire some cyber capabilities. Uh, you know, we actually represented a company in a, in a sale that was a system integrator that also had cybersecurity services, a company called MR Systems. And we ended up selling that to a private equity-backed strategic called Inframark. And part of the reason they acquired, uh, wanted to acquire MR Systems was uh, because they wanted their cybersecurity services capabilities and the consultative support there. So that you'll see plenty of examples of that in the market today. Mm. And before we close us out, are there any other any other information that we should know about cyber M and A's? You know, I, I think the the main thing we always encourage uh, encourage owners to do is uh, whether they're thinking of a sale tomorrow, five years from now, or never, they they should be educating themselves and staying up to date on the trends, the activity. A lot of these owners, frankly, are getting calls daily sometimes from buyers already. Um, and, you know, it's usually one of the most common statements I hear from an owner, which is, yeah, I get four emails a week or a day from a buyer trying to acquire me, or at least they think they want to acquire me. Um, the main thing an owner can do is educate themselves, whether it be about valuation metrics, whether it be about steps to prepare their business for sale whether it be about the most legitimate buyers to talk to, just because a buyer's calling you doesn't mean that's actually the best buyer to be talking to you. Um, you know, it's all about education and preparation because at the end of the day, their business is an asset and they need to treat it like an asset. And the best way to take care of an asset is to kind of follow it, cultivate it and grow it. And, because one day you may want to realize liquidity out of that asset. It's not a bad problem to have to have four or five companies calling you each day wanting to buy your company. <laughs> no, it's not. It can be uh it can be very soothing to the ego. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us today, Clinton, and uh talking to us about cyber mergers and acquisitions. Thanks, guys. This has been fun. And there you have it, folks. Clint Bundy, managing director with the Bundy Group, talking about cybersecurity mergers and acquisitions and, and industrial cybersecurity mergers and acquisitions for us. Um Interesting conversation. Did learn a lot about uh, about the market out there. We talked at the beginning of the pod about how the <laughs> the instability in the world and the cyber chaos that's going on out there maybe not great for society, but uh, but good for the business of cybersecurity. One of the things Clint said in that interview that that stuck with me, and I'm not surprised. I mean, he does. Uh, investment banking for other industries, controls and automation, technology companies. But he said he feels as good about the cybersecurity sector as he does about any other sector out there right now. He's just bullish on cybersecurity. And I think there's a good reason for that. There is 
The threat is out there. Some of those stats that, that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast from the Sophos Year in Cybersecurity Report, people are getting attacked. People are overburdened. People do not feel equipped to handle the amount of threat that's out there. People are losing sleep over cyber attacks. All of these things contribute to there being a robust market out there. Yeah, and with with all of these different cyber attacks happening across the industry, whether that be manufacturing facilities, critical infrastructure, um, and how that is all very negative stuff, but at least there's like one, some sort of silver lining to this, that it is um, creating like this booming industry that is cybersecurity. It's creating jobs. We're all about creating jobs in America. Um, and I guess it's beyond America. Cybersecurity is not just in America, but <laughs> uh, just across the world, it's creating more jobs. And it's um, in stimulating economy, economic growth. And he's kind of really gets into that, too. And that's I think that's a good, nice little takeaway from what he was saying. Yeah. And he mentioned that, you know, buyers are looking for, I think he said four things, stability, profitability, growth and scalability. And I, I, I have to assume that most of the people who are listening to this are in the cybersecurity industry. If you're just listening to this for fun, uh, thank you. And why? But mm -hmm. if you're but. You know, stability, yes, the threat is out there. It's going to remain steady, if not grow. Profitability, um, there are more and more companies in this market. There are companies that are making money on this. Growth, uh, that's a pretty obvious one. And scalability, I mean, these are things that the cybersecurity industry does have going for it. So uh, for all of you who are working in cybersecurity, know that, uh, that uh, your jobs, if they are not secure with the company you're at, you are probably not going to be unemployed for very long. If you're good at what you do, there is demand out there. If you have a, a, a startup, a new cybersecurity company, if you can make a good product and, and show that your product is profitable and that it's in demand out there, uh, you're probably going to have a pretty good run. Somebody's going to want to acquire you pretty quickly. Mm. And speaking of um, job stability and all of that, if you want to help Gary and I sustain our jobs, I think you should visit industrialcybersecuritypulse.com where we have fantastic content just like this. You can uh, listen to our other podcast episodes. We have expert inter interview videos, not video interview. Well, I guess it is also a video interview. Um, and as well as articles from different thought leadership uh, leaders across the industry. And just make sure you, you tune in for all of that goodness. If you would like to talk to us, um, you can reach me at twall at cfemedia.com. And I am at G-C-O-H-E-N, G-Cohen, at cfemedia.com. You can also find our, our trove of podcasts, although the fact that you're listening to this tells me you've probably already found our trove of podcasts. But look at them again. There's some good ones in there. I we've got I think like 12 hours of podcasts in there. So I think this is your chance to catch up. I think you guys should binge them over the weekend. Thanks so much for tuning in again for listening. We really appreciate you out there. And uh we will be back shortly with uh, another wonderful ICS Pulse podcast with Tyler and Gary. Mm, we'll catch you on the flippity flop. Mm.